This is not a dream. We are using the brain's electrical system as a receiver. We are unable to transmit some conscious neural interference. We are receiving this podcast as a dream. We are transmitting from year two, zero, one, six. And now everyone who's actually seen Prince of Darkness is going to be cracking up, and the rest of our listeners are going to be going, what the what? hell is he on about? <laughs> welcome to Don't Read the Latin. Yes. Yes, welcome indeed. <laughs> After but, yet another too long of a wait. <laughs> We're terrible people. Well, well, this time it was it was so we could get ready for Crypticon, or at least mainly so I could get ready for Crypticon. I... I which is wonderful, yeah. and if you're not, if you're in the Seattle area and you are not hitting that that once a year horror pod or horror podcast <laughs> horror convention, welcome you to really, Don't Read the Latin, the once a year horror podcast. <laughs> we're better than that. <laughs> uh, but it is absolutely wonderful. Hi, my name is Jennifer Lovely, and I'm Michael is, Montour, <laughs> and uh, we just got done attending yeah. uh, Seattle's Crypticon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a lot of uh, people from Aliens. They had Lance Henriksen, who I just followed around making dreamy puppy <laughs> eyes at the entire weekend. And got... <laughs> I actually have a pretty good story about this. She does, yes. <laughs> so, um, I actually introduced myself a couple of times and I told him this funny story about a podcast I'd heard him on and I made him he, he kind of giggled chuckled and I was like I have I have entertained Les Henderson my <laughs> life is complete and um, so I wait in line to do the the one on they had a <clears throat> an aliens group photo with he and um, and Michael Bean oh right Bean? Yes. I, I think that's how you pronounce that yeah and the other man whose name I can't remember who did the special effects. Who uh, I believe his first name was Gary. And yeah. That's all I remember from the panel that I was at. And that's Hendrickson, because that's really all I cared about. I feel really bad. Yeah. So okay, I, fair enough. I, I was getting the picture with just Lance. And I got the picture, and he, you know, is standing behind me, and I'm grinning like an idiot. And they take the picture, and then I turn, and I look at him, and I grab him, and I hug him. <laughs> And then I step away, and he looks at the people that are coming up next to the next, and says, "I will not be hugging you, <laughs> or you will not be hugging me. Either way, I have used the last available Lance Hendrickson hug." It's true, yeah. And uh, there will be no more because I used the very last one, and I'm not sorry at all because it was mine. I know I didn't tell you one one of the moments that um, I was amused by it this weekend. Um, uh, on Sunday, uh, after Kane Hodder's panel, we were both in the bathroom at the same time, and as he, as he, after he leaves, the lights go out, and, <laughs> and we're like, the, the people who were left in the bathroom are like, what? And he's like, sorry, just giving you some atmosphere there, <laughs> and turns them back on. <laughs> he, from everything I've gathered from um, interview, interviews and such, he is a horrible prankster. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> So what have you seen recently? Um, lately, I don't think I've seen practically anything except uh, getting ready for this episode. Which is? Which, if you haven't guessed from, from that opening there, or, you know, guessed from reading it on the website, that'll have the title. Stops! Well, <laughs> spoilers, yeah. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> uh, this time we're doing a John Carpenter episode, because we both love John Carpenter films. Not and necessarily always the same ones, true. as it turns out. And but the thing it, that... that the little thing that irritated me is uh, the way we'd had things planned that if we'd have recorded right before Crypticon, yeah. we'd have been so timely 
because the day that we were going to, oh, they yeah. announced that Blumhouse, Blumhouse is doing a new Halloween movie. Yep. Which he's not directing, but he is doing the soundtrack for and is involved yes. in the process of making this new movie. And, and I know there have been a lot of people who, who are like, well, you know, if he's not writing or directing. But he's a very personal filmmaker. I don't think he's willing to just slap his name on something and shove it out the door. Yeah. Uh, and I think the people involved have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. And want uh, to involve him in the process. We don't know yet because they don't know yet exactly. if it's going to be a reboot or a remake or a yes. sequel or God knows what. You know. But <clears throat> uh, something. And in, in the end of things, it's going to be better than the last couple of movies that come that's, out. That's probably true. I would hope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> having seen a Halloween H2, H2O at, at Drive-In. <laughs> oh, you're going, you're going back a ways for that one. I actually kind of liked that, but not as... A Halloween movie, so yeah. much as I thought it was a fairly decent '90s horror movie. Yeah. You know, it had that same feeling of what was going on around then, and I loved the ending. Uh, oh yeah, with with with, with Laurie uh, uh, coming to terms with, <laughs> yeah. shall we say? Yeah. Um, I pretty much uh, the only movie that wasn't watched in preparation for this was I finally got to see um, Civil War, Captain America: Civil oh, yeah. War, which I really liked. It's very good. And um, I mostly caught up with last season's Penny Dreadful, and I'm pretty caught up. I think I'm like an episode behind. Um, but I am really enjoying this season of Penny Dreadful. It's absolutely good. wonderful. They're good. introducing the Dracula character. Yes. And uh, I just really love the direction they're going. They're introducing Dr um, Jekyll and Hyde. Nice. Um, and, God, I just... I'm just loving everything. Good. I just. Good. And I mean, I, I know you really liked it in, the, in its first yeah. season, and it sounds like you're saying it's even better now. It is so. better, and I the 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 episode most recently that I've seen, which yet is an episode behind, is um, basically uh, a flashback or a hypnotic regression to uh, Vanessa being in the asylum. Oh, interesting. Where she okay. was institutionalized, and I honestly felt that it was almost the best episode of the series. The whole episode is almost entirely um, Vanessa and John Clare, um, Eva Green and Rory Kinnear, um, and they just shine the entire nice. the entire episode. And it, it's great when, when, when creators will just let their actors just run with something, yeah. you know, and just showcase them. Um, I really need to watch more of this, yes. don't I? Yeah. Yes. Like maybe even a fourth episode. <laughs> um, and then uh, <sighs> yesterday, handsome boyfriend Jim and myself watched the first five episodes of the new season of, of uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, uh-huh. Um, and I have got to admit that between Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, they're just you hit a point where you feel like they have such a distaste for their fans because they are so cruel yeah. to us. Yeah. And um there was a couple big losses in I'm I'm an episode behind from this last weekend. And it was just it and it's it, you know, it is that episode that is getting spread all over social oh, okay, media. Yeah. I don't watch the show, but now I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and it's 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 hard. I mean, it's hard when people can't. I'm sorry. A lot of us are grown ups, and we can't necessarily watch the show. 
yeah. uh, when it when it airs, and the rest of the world doesn't care. That's <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, this is why I, I read the last Harry Potter book on the day it came out, was just so that I could get the experience unspoiled. Unspoiled, and so, but um, I am I am half a season behind on Walking Dead. Uh, and I finally had to, you know, get the gumption to, to catch up on Game of Thrones. And it's just, there's a lot of ways in which it's just not even enjoyable. Yeah, um, it's, because it's, it's never just, sounded like it to me, it, so I haven't started watching it. I know, it. and I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, what they I they could doing... just combine them into one really horrible show, where, you know, <laughs> you've got the Rock and Dead characters fighting off the White Walkers. I think it, it's not yeah. too far you know, from so, what they're actually yeah. doing. I, I think that... <laughs> So everything else that I've seen has has quite literally been for uh, the, mm-hmm. the the podcast and to talk about um, John Carpenter and, and his filmography. So well, one of the things that, that uh, I watched first to prepare for the the, the, the podcast was a well a a, a documentary oh. called uh, uh, John Carpenter: The Man and His Movies. Nice. On, I on, did not on know this episode's is... segment of my tours. Documentary Corner! Huh. <laughs> no, that, that lacks something. I, I know. See, I, and I am going to interrupt you really, yeah. really quickly. And just to state that one of the very best things that I took away from, from my weekend at Crypticon was it refreshed my love for horror movies. Yeah. And it... Yes. it and it made me want to. Um, it it just made me want to watch more movies. Period. I want to. I realize I haven't had a Jen's documentary corner. It's true. You in haven't. a really yeah. long time because. No, I, I think there was one last episode. Yeah, actually. but it's it's never with okay. much enthusiasm, <laughs> and uh, it's it's just hard because. I'm just balancing a lot, and so yeah. I I don't feel. And, but but what I had really felt was that I had lost the joy I was finding in finding these little treasures here yeah. and there. And uh, one of the discussions, the 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 um the panel that I was really heartbroken because I misread the schedule was one that they had done on horror westerns. Right. And hearing a bunch of like obscure titles and older westerns that had a horror element because i only caught like the last 10 minutes and i'm like oh my god i just want to i want to find all of these and watch all of these and and see everything and and i wanted to find every little hidden gem that is out there for horror right now and it it refreshed me i've been trying to remember the name of the novel that they were talking about it's not it's not the guys who was on the panel's novel but but someone was talking about uh, a novel where there are those like this well that this preacher went down into to to yeah do you remember oh, the title no. okay all right god damn it I'm sure I can find but out somehow one of the things that I got really excited about was I actually posted to the um, the Crypticon uh, fan community mm-hmm. and I said you know there were so many times with panelists and people in the audience and just people around the convention where they're like I made this film. I made this podcast. I, you know, um, here's the short I did. And I'm like, if you have a thing like this that you made, you know, let's all share it here because yeah. I think we're all in the same boat that we heard all of this. It's too podcast. much to take in. It's to too remember. much to take in. Yeah. And, and um, 
It, it would have been great if, you know, we had uh, business cards. Oh, my pass out. God. I was almost late for my first panel because I was tearing the condo apart trying to find where the hell my business cards and were. And I left the house at quarter to seven that morning and yeah. went to the convention straight from work. And yeah. I knew at home exactly where my business cards <laughs> were. I am probably just going to throw them in my car and I will never I, have. I, I, I should do the same thing. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Because we have awesome business cards. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, the, uh, the documentary. Uh, oh, God. You know what? I do know where my own postcards for my books are, but I got so sidetracked trying to find our business cards that I forgot to even grab those. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, because, because what else would happen? Fuck really? everything. Fuck everything. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, this goddamn documentary... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the 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 main takeaway that I had from this documentary is it's what what finally made me realize how huge a contribution Deborah Hill has made oh, yeah. to John Carpenter's films because I mean it, her name had been background radiation for me all this yeah. time but the the main th- it was it was kind of hard to watch her in a, in a few points because the one thing that I never knew is that they used to be romantically involved. And her talking about being on the fog. Oh. Yes. When, you know, one of the actresses was John's new wife, Adrienne Barbeau. Yeah. She was, you know, not crying, but, you know, you could tell that there was some effort involved in in not crying. And that was a little hard to watch. But uh, but it it was really interesting. There were some really good conversations um, and it was hilarious uh, watching uh, Jamie Lee Curtis talking about him. You know, say, saying things like, he's kind of weird looking. I can't have him over to my house. He'd scare the hell out of my kids. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, also her... You can probably tell that that's probably just the relationship. It, yeah, you know. absolutely. You can tell because she's got this huge <laughs> grin on her face as she's saying this. But, you know, and, and she's also, you know, really firmly saying, I would not have a career. Yeah. If it weren't for this man, yep. you know, so everybody they talked to who worked with him, you know, clearly has a lot of respect for him and uh, really enjoyed being on sets with him. So, yeah, that was really interesting. You should check that out. Have you seen Dark Star? Because I have not. I've seen it, but it's been years and years ago. And I, I remember I had... I don't know if you'd like it, I don't honestly. know if I would either. Uh, so... Uh, one of the movies that I watched, I'm just gonna kind of work my way up in the filmography. I don't know if that or if you. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, chronologically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah that, that was my. my so um, my as most well. recent thing I've watched was Assault on Precinct 13. And that I've still never seen. It's I really enjoyed it. Uh, it is his variant of a western. He yeah. loves western. I, the more western. the more I look at his stuff, everything is a western. Is a variant of a yes. western. Uh, apparently, uh, vampires started oh, out as completely. a western. It, no, can, no, 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 no. I'm can, talking about the wrong one. Uh, you're still, you're big, still not wrong. Yeah, that's true. Big Trouble in Little China. The original scripts were uh, were westerns, and so, but they, then they updated it where you know it was a truck that got stolen instead of his horse. Yeah. You know, it, the one thing that really struck me is is he has done most of his soundtracks, mm-hmm. and even with Assault on Precinct 13 being, you know, the you know, what you would expect electronic score from John Carpenter. Sure. It still has that kind of Marconi kind of esque It really does. I, I saw some clips from it yeah. in this documentary. And it it, so. it, it, it 
he he wanted that to be the underlying factor, and it completely is. Yeah. And being someone who loves westerns, uh, I completely appreciated every homage that he made. Yeah. And uh, uh, and, it, and it's kind of gut wrenching, you know. It's it's something that um, there is, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything by sharing this. There's a child death in the beginning that is kind of the. Um, it, it creates... Is that the plot's the, inciting incident? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. You have a precinct that is closing down, and they've gotten everything moved out, and uh, <laughs> uh, they're moving everything out. They bring in, like, a, a new uh, sheriff or what have you that's going to be running the place, and um, this guy is driving around with his uh, young daughter, and, you know, it's pre-cell phone, so he stops at the payphone. And while he's trying to get directions to, I believe, his aunt's house, who they're going to try and convince to come live with them. Because she's elderly and living by herself. And while he's on the phone, she sees an ice cream truck. Mm. And she's like, Daddy, can I go, to get, can I go get some ice cream? And uh, basically, this, there's been some foreshadowing of these gang members driving around behind the ice cream truck. Yes. Being ominous and threatening. And uh, while the little girl is up there, they come up and you know kill the guy and kill the little girl actually they kill the little girl first and then they shoot the guy and it is um the dad's reaction to discovering there that she's been shot is is he goes after the men who shot her and, and kill the guy who killed his daughter sure. and he in a stupor runs into the abandoned um police precinct and basically they they put out a can't even think of what the proper word is for it but they decide come hell or high water they are taking him down they are killing him because i guess they killed sure. his leader and uh there's nothing that's going to stop them and uh and, and they will they will proceed until the last of them is dead uh and uh it is it's 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 a <laughs> it sounds great and I, yeah i, 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 just, no, didn't, I just did not get, i, I kind of wanted to watch it for this but then i was like well there's still horror films of his that yeah. I haven't seen. I should watch those. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it sounds like between, you know, that and, and Don't Look Now, the message to take away is if you're in a 70s horror film and you've got your kid with you, don't stop at a payphone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the next film that, um, that I have likely seen and you have not is Someone Is Watching Me. Saw it. You did? Yes. <laughs> uh, because I didn't have cable growing up. I always had this, and because I was a kid, I was born in 74, the TV movie, mm -hmm. and where they used to actually get really good directors making TV movies, yeah. and it was a made-for-TV movie the same year that Halloween came you out. You've clearly talked about it before, because, in, because it's in the tags on our site, mm -hmm. but I, I had forgotten that you ever mentioned it, so, so when I found it, I was like, oh, I've never heard of this, yeah. and, and watched it, but uh, yeah, and it was good. you know, what's, what makes me really sad about it is a lot of the things that are... Um, important points to that where she is contacting the police. She's doing everything. Basically, there's a man stalking her. Yeah. And she does everything you're supposed to do. Yeah. And nobody takes it seriously. And and it, it is sad how real that is now. And how current it is. And yeah. how current it is now. And also the fact that there probably really weren't any laws against what he was doing. Because one of the things... Um, I'm going to get on my, my, my feminist high horse right now because this is just a really important issue to me. Insert that, horse sound effect here. Nay, what? No, okay. <laughs> um, in my lifetime, I have seen, basically when I was a small child, you could still legally beat the shit out of your wife. And yeah. it was considered 
not even a crime. Basically, it was like 82, 83, 84, where laws were, were passed across the country to make it illegal to beat the ever-loving crap out of your wife. And there was a woman, I can't, uh, Tracy something. And there was a made-for-TV movie <laughs> about it. Uh, and so the year on this one we're talking about is 1978. Mm-hmm. So that, that's years before that. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, there were no laws out there protecting women against this sort of thing. And it and it was kind of seen as, like, a personal issue. Um, and and But honestly, even still today, it, it's not taken seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't press any charges until he's actively hurt you, yeah. even though he, that, that person might be affecting every aspect of your life or making you afraid and, and, and driving your course of action day to day because you feel unsafe. But until they actively hurt you, you can't prosecute them for anything. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's, and it's heartrending that, that that's still a case. I mean. All this time later. All this time later. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Anyway, but um, uh, so anyway, but uh, uh, I thought it was really well done. I really liked it. Uh, the studio clearly thought they were making a Hitchcock film. And actually, this is the movie that uh, John Carpenter met Adrian Barbo. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, but the, the soundtrack, especially, just really gave it a, a very Hitchcock feel. Yeah. I thought uh, he did not do the music for this one. And this is the uh, very same year that he, uh, he came out with Halloween. Oh, the, the other thing that I really wanted to say about it is, um, even though it's still early and his style hadn't gelled, these are John Carpenter characters yes. that we're dealing with. The, the the weird, quirky sense of humor is is clearly his. You know um, what? And I'm... and they're characters who are not taking any shit. Yeah. You know, I, she 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 does everything she can to deal with this herself, yes. and and will not be talked out of it. Yeah. Um, and and I loved that. And one of the really big takeaways that I had from, um, gosh, what was I finishing up today? I think I finished up Assault on Precinct 13 because I, I had like 20 minutes left of it and I, I didn't want to let it pass without without seeing the end of it. Sure. Is how quietly funny, but but truly funny, a lot of his characters are. Oh, yeah. And, and the wordplay is wonderful and it's smart and... But it and it's but it's very quiet mm-hmm. and and thoughtful in a lot of the things that he does and that's I think I I also really realized he has a very deliberate pacing. Oh yeah. With his films. Yeah. Uh, which I think is again inspired by his love of the western. Probably yeah. He's really specifically a, a fan of a director that I'm not very familiar with. Hayes? His work, uh, uh, Howard Hawks. Hawks. Um. And the only thing I've seen of his is, well, the thing from another world. Oh! Um, but... I kept hearing the name You know, in he, he's multiple... known for The Big Sleep, oh. uh, Red River, Rio Grande. You know, he's done stuff that you've heard of, even yeah. if you haven't heard of him. Uh, and, and one of the bits that I liked in the documentary is, is they showed, uh, one right after another, uh, a clip from... Uh, I think it was Red River, but I'm not sure. One, a, a Howard Hawks film, mm-hmm. and the oh dear God, he did Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Yes. Uh, but they showed a clip from one of his films, and then showed a, a clip of um, John Carpenter just kind of directly stealing the shtick. Oh, in, wonderful! In uh, Assault on Precinct 13, and that's somebody being thrown a shotgun, and them just swivel catching it and swiveling, just immediately using it. 
was just straight so from a Howard I am Hawks. just going to gush for a moment. Yeah. Uh, because I kept hearing this director's name, and even though... And you're like, okay, sure, yeah, Howard Hawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, cool. and, and, and I'm like, Hayes? Because I knew it was H.H., but... Yeah. Um, this man... <laughs> This man did Rio Bravo, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, um, Thing from Another World, uh, The Big Sleep, To Have and To Have Not, uh, Sergeant York, Ball of Fire with uh, Stanwyck. Yeah, Barbara Stanwyck. And uh, Bringing Up Baby. Yeah. Holy moly. He, well, he had quite I, a career. The, and, and... 1932 Scarface. Yeah. So, um, I really I want to look into this what, guy's stuff. Now. I was just gonna say, yeah. I know what I'm gonna be doing for the next right? little while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. So, because when John Carpenter tells you you should love somebody, you better pay some I, damn I'm, attention yeah, to I, it. I think uh, I think that's not wrong. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Halloween. Halloween, Halloween. rewrote the genre. Yeah, it was a very different horror movie. Now, I kind of told Hinvey about it that I'd never heard before. Okay. Uh, I, I knew that people certainly compared it to Black Christmas. Yes. Uh, apparently, he had asked for permission to remake Black Christmas. Okay. And, and what the script that turned into Halloween started out in his head as a remake of Black Christmas. But didn't get permission? Or... Well, he, he did get permission, but apparently... Just, like, I didn't read much about this, so I don't know yeah. why it didn't end up happening. But that, that it just kind of spun off into something separate. Um, one of the other things that, that I found found out about it uh, in doing some research today is that uh, Carpenter approached both uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee to play Dr. Loomis. Oh. Um, and Christopher Lee had, had later said that turning that down was the biggest mistake he ever made in huh? his career. Probably, yeah. And, and it would have been I, an amazingly different movie. It would have, yeah. But I, I have such a hard time picturing anyone but Donald Pleasance in that part. What? But Christopher Lee would have been amazing. Yeah. I, I, I you know, there's just when isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And Peter Cushing would have been good too. But Christopher exactly. Lee, especially, just would have been fantastic. So, uh, I know I've mentioned on previous podcasts that I ended up seeing Halloween way too late. Yes. But by the time I finally got around to seeing it, I'd seen everything else that imitated it, and, and so the it impact lost was a lot of its impact. totally lost. Um, I'm trying to remember if we've ever watched it here at your place on the great big screen. No, and I actually have the um, the entire box set that we was sh- done. We should do that we because do that. because I think that might also make some of the difference. Yes. seeing it on a big screen and instead of the like. <laughs> I threw in. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, when I got the Blu-ray set that mm-hmm. Scream Factory did, I put it in, and there was a moment of looking at the screen going. This is probably better than it looked when it was oh, released. Oh, sure, yeah. Because yeah. it was gorgeous. So a little thing that I want to mention, since we've given so much attention to the director that he loved, is some of yeah. the other things that he loves. Mm-hmm. He is a huge Elvis fan and actually yeah. did an Elvis movie. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay, yeah, neither have I. And um, he's also a huge Godzilla fan, which charms yeah. me. And uh, and he's a huge baseball or not baseball basketball mm-hmm. um, fan. Uh, he also is a huge fan of the Beach Boys, oh, apparently. Yes. Which uh, and isn't he kind which of a gamer and, too? That I don't know. I think he's a console gamer. But uh, too. apparently, he and Sam Neill really bonded over the Beach Boys. <laughs> 
while they were making in the mouth of madness. Can you picture that? You know, going from from no. filming those scenes to being like, oh my god, the Beach Boys are awesome. I, I can't really see how this this even happened, but but it does. Um, <laughs> Uh, something else that, that, that I read today that, that finally cleared up one thing that to me had always been a little plot hole in, mm-hmm. in Halloween and that's uh, how could Michael Myers drive a car? Okay. You know, if he'd been incarcerated since he was a child. Child, okay. Apparently the, uh, the novelization says that, you know, over the years as Dr. Loomis drove Michael to sanity hearings, Michael just very quietly paid attention to everything he was doing. Of course. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that, that, that clears up one thing that bothered me, and we're good now. <laughs> oh, uh, something else that, that, he's a, that, that Carpenter is a big fan of is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Oh. Um, and I know you're not as familiar with uh, Lovecraft as I am, so there's a lot of little references that, that you would not have picked up on um one of the buildings in in someone's uh, someone's watching me was the arkham building (laughs) um in in the fog uh there's a line about a a sweep south of of waitley point and arkham reef and both waitley and arkham are are references in uh in the mouth of madness which is basically one huge lovecraft homage in a lot of ways uh, there's a character named Mrs. Pickman, who's, okay. who's named for the, the short story Pickman's Model, is one of his more famous ones. Uh, th- there's just a ton of this stuff. Um, and so those are fun references to watch for. So we have the fog, which I just recently showed. Yeah, and, and, and I had seen that before. I remember liking it well enough, but I liked it better this time. Yeah. And I think this is another one that probably benefited from being seen on a larger screen. Yeah. Uh, this is another movie that where, where where the genesis of it was a conversation between John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Oh. Uh, I don't remember where the, the the documentary said they were, but they were somewhere where they were watching this huge fog bank come rolling in, and and, and John says, "What do you suppose is in all that fog?" And Deborah says, "Ghosts." And from ah! there, they just spun out the story. Yeah. So uh, you know the the thing that just breaks my heart is how disheartened John Carpenter is from his experience in Hollywood with his experience of making films. And it's like you look at at the number of films he has coming out almost yearly, if not multiple ones a year, in the beginning of his his career. And it's just one film after another. And then... And then you have this, you know, kind of a larger break. And I know he had a lot of interference, a lot of studio interference. Um, I think there's a lot of studio interference on Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And I think there's almost a five-year break between that and... No. Oh, it was between They Live... And Memoirs of an Invisible Man. He went from 88 to 92. But, I mean, what is that... That quote of his... Oh, yeah, I I do have that here. I can find it. In France, I'm an auteur. In Germany, a filmmaker. In Britain, a genre film director. And in the USA, a bum. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart. That is heartbreaking. And and he is always... from, From everything I've read, he has taken anything that wasn't a success he's it's just broken his heart yeah and 
Well, I, I, I really have a pretty strong handle after after recent searching this where his back got broken on all this. Yeah. And we, we, will, we will get there. Okay. It just, the thing is, he's had so much impact on American filmmaking, on what yeah. we like. Uh, we're really starting to see, I think, in, in, in recent horror films, a really strong John Carpenter influence in terms of soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, it Follows definitely draws a lot from yeah. Halloween. Um, Hush, You're Next. There, there's a ton of stuff that you, you can tell came from. Yeah. So, I can't remember. In, in the Elvis movie that he did, was it Kurt Russell that... Yep, Kurt Russell. So, um, neither of us have seen the Elvis movie, um, but John Carpenter has said in many in many interviews that he adores Kurt Russell. And, and one of the few times I've seen him be really jovial and happy in, in say an interview or a you know, commentaries when he's done commentaries with Kurt Russell he he genuinely laughs and um, I actually heard a podcast interview I unbeknownst to me which breaks my heart now because I'm a huge uh, Roddy Piper fan uh, Roddy had a, an interview podcast uh, and he just interviews everyone a bunch of a bunch of wrestling uh celebrities and he had one where he interviewed john carpenter and i have never heard him sound so relaxed sound so happy like i actually i'm like is this really him (laughs) (laughs) and he didn't sound as as downtrodden and and brokenhearted and and i didn't listen to the whole thing um but it seemed like in the presence of, of people whose company he really loved, who had a, a real enthusiasm. Because the thing is, I mean, I've, I've heard this a bunch of times where they're like, you know, The Thing was an amazing movie and it, it changed it. He's like, what good does that do me now? Yeah. Like, you know, you fucking hated it yeah. when it came out. What good does it do me now for you to tell me that it's fucking fantastic? Because it didn't get me jobs then. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just it, it's it's a delight hearing hearing him be happy with people, and, yeah. I, and I'm glad those people exist. Um, so you know, here we have, and and after the fog, we have the second movie that he did with with Kurt Russell, which is Escape from New York. Yes, which is fun. It is. I I, I love that movie. Snake Plissken is just the best. I don't know. Character. I don't know I any guy who so doesn't much. want to be Snake Plissken. I don't You're know any girl who doesn't, who doesn't want to be. I don't know any girl who doesn't <laughs> want to be Snake Plissken. Um, yeah, it, it it's it's a very fun movie, for, especially for something for something so violent. You wouldn't think it would be that fun if someone was just telling you about it, but. Yeah. Um, it's very lovable, and 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 the anti-hero that that Kurt Russell portrays in that is well. One of the biggest compliments that I had, that I had heard is that um, the reason why he really loved Kurt Russell is he wasn't worried about a a character ruining his image or yeah. or you know having an adverse effect on his career. He would just if he fell in love with something, then he would just. He would just go for it, and I think, God, everything I've read about Kurt, Kurt Russell, he is just the nicest man. Yeah. Uh, on the planet, so. 
Uh, one of the things that, that I was, was reading about it that I thought was a, a great, uh, great quote is when they were trying to figure out where to film it. Because even though it's set in New York, they couldn't film it in New York mm-hmm. because New York doesn't look destroyed. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, they were talking about maybe shooting on a movie back lot, but they decided that wasn't going to be convincing at all. So they sent their location manager and, and associate producer, uh, Barry Bernardi, quote, on a sort of all-expense-paid trip across the country looking for the worst city in America. And what did they discover was? <laughs> um, apparently, uh, Bernardi suggested uh, East St. Louis, Illinois, because it was, <laughs> it was filled with old buildings of the kind yeah. that are in New York, but, but, but it just was very seedy and run down <laughs> by that point. But, I, but, but just, just that phrase just has me thinking, man, that, that sounds like fun, I think, maybe, to go looking <laughs> for the worst city. Another little tiny detail that, that I found out that, that, that turned me is apparently um, the shot at the end of uh, Adrian Barbeau's character's corpse was something they had to go back and add in. Uh, they shot in John Carpenter's driveway after principal photography had finished. <laughs> um, one of the people who worked for the studio, uh, his teenage son saw, saw an early cut of the film and, and, and pointed out that you know, her death, is, it's never really clear the way they had it cut originally, whether she died or not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some teenage kid named J.J. Abrams. I wonder what ah! happened to that guy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that was one that I was worried would not hold up to my memory of it when you and I rewatched it a uh-huh. couple of years ago. But, but, yeah, it still does. Yeah. And it's also... Probably my favorite score of oh. his. It's the one that will get stuck in my head the most readily. Okay. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about it? No. Okay. Well, you know, now we get we, now we get to the big one. The thing. The thing. Man, the the movie that imprinted on on me as a little third grade girl watching it on the laser disc. Oh dear God! I think that was too young to see it. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it. It it helped create the woman that's that's recording yeah, this podcast that's now. That's very true. Yeah. Um, and it it still holds up so well. And uh, I it's so funny because you know I've been doing the horror movie Fridays for a couple of years now, and and we'd always forget come winter that you know we knew at some point that we wanted to see Thirty Days of Night and the thing, but you have to see them in the winter time. It has to be. It has to be cold. Oh, yeah. It has to be cold uh, and dark outside. The, 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 the movie has become part of the culture in Antarctica. It is a long-standing tradition that all uh, British Antarctic research stations to watch it as part of their midwinter uh, feast and as part of the, the celebration. That's in, a terrible idea! Isn't that right? <laughs> no! I, 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 I have read this before. <laughs> Apparently, you know, that, that's the first thing. They'll, they'll get new people in. Oh. And, you know, when the supply planes have left, oh, you know, and you're horrible. not going back for months, that's when they bust out the thing. I remember I was, um, I was talking with handsome boyfriend Jim about, about horribly cold weather and, and how when you, um, it, it's, it's one of those things that's, it's, it's funny to see it when you, if you see it on video, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it has to be about 25 degrees below zero. But you can take a glass of water outside, you throw oh, it yeah, in the air, and it, it poofs yes. into snow. And a lot of people use hot water, but if it's cold enough, it just it just happens. And I'm, I'm like, it, it's, you know, watch it on video. Watch it on YouTube. Because if you have to be standing in 25 below zero weather, fuck <laughs> that. But 
I think we were talking about things that frightened us, and and there's a video from I think Antarctica, where they have that um, like uh, they have a they have a phrase for it, but it's like level zero conditions or something. Right. But it has to be like at least sixty below, and the winds have to be like at least eighty miles an hour. And, and the woman is, like, leading them out to the door, and she's just cackling maniacally as she's, as she's walking them out. And then you open the door to this room, and the room is covered in hoary frost. It's just, it's just thick and on the walls. And she's like, typically, this isn't covered in frost. <laughs> and then she, like, giggle, giggle, giggles, and she's, like, doing stuff. And then she opens the door, and it is the fucking gates of hell, except it's frozen <laughs> hell. Of, of winds driving by and all you see is snow and dark and wind going by yeah. and she's like cackling maniacally and then struggles to shut the door. Yeah. And I'm like that's horrible. As someone who grew up in Minnesota where I've seen 69 degrees below zero 71 degrees below zero where they're like don't go outside you'll die. Yeah. Like there's there's no reason. It's a great place yeah. to be from. I don't want to live it, there yeah. anymore. <laughs> going going there not not such a great idea. Now, I, I I am afraid to report that um, you know you I acknowledge this is probably his best film. Oh. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know it's the one that most horror films consider a classic. Here's the quote: oh. I take every failure hard. The one I took the hardest was the thing. Yeah. My career would have been different if that had been a big hit. That movie was hated, even by science fiction fans. They thought I had betrayed some kind of trust, and the piling on was insane. Even the original movie's director, Christian Nybai, was dissing me. He was just it. it sometimes it, it does no good for someone to be ahead of the yeah. ahead of their time. The, there was a, a because what good does it do them? Yeah, five ten years down the road for them to go, this is wonderful. Yeah. When at the time, uh, Cinefantastic magazine had a cover story saying, "Is this the most hated movie of all time?" Oh Jesus! Yeah, uh, this this got to him, as, well, as you might imagine, and he was really seriously wondering, "My God, am I ever going to be able to get work again?" Yeah. And so his agent was like, "You need to make something nice now. You need to make something sweet because the the, the main thing." The, the next the, thing he made wasn't the sweet movie. The next thing he made is Starman. No, it was not. That, that's what I've got. What it you was got? Christine. The thing was eighty two. Christine was eighty three, and then Starman was eighty four. Really? Yep. Oh, you're right. And you're I right. see where I okay. see. Yeah, I mean, but, you're, but you're still, absolutely yeah. right. And. I remember Christine being really popular. Yeah. But that, um, I think that was a, a Stephen King halo effect. Yeah, and yeah. Not, uh, um, and, and I love Christine. Um, what, what, what killed the thing in terms of its reception yeah. is it came out like about three weeks after E.T. And everyone was like, oh my God, E.T. is wonderful. Look at this sweet alien then, coming to Earth. And, and the thing is terrifying. Yeah. And everyone was like, no, that's not what we, 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 we want E.T. We like that movie. <laughs> Fuck this movie. This movie uh, is terrible. Yeah. And, and that was, was what... That was the death note. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really feel like his confidence as a filmmaker never quite recovered from that. You're... Well... You, he made some amazing things after that, but, but I mean... It, like, his confidence in making movies for Hollywood. Yeah. Know? and Well, and the thing is, um, a bunch of the movies that he came out with after that were independent. 
Yeah. They, they were outside yeah. of the studio system because I know that Prince of Darkness was outside of the studio system. Prince of Darkness is outside of pretty everything. much everything. Human experience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there. So, I mean, um, did you right, have anything Christine. to throw it on, Christine? Um, I liked it. Yeah, I think um, we pretty much covered it in the... Yeah, in the Stephen King episode, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like it better than you did, and you ended up giving your copy of the DVD to me. Not Christine. Yeah. No. Yeah. I had a... No. No, I have Christine. I think... I, oh, right. No, I think that's one of the ones you replaced, actually. And yeah, you gave me I got it on Blu-ray older... and I gave you the DVD. Yes, that was it. Okay, all right. All yeah. right. Yeah, because I always had a little bit of a crush on Keith Gordon. Which one is he in the movie? Uh, he was Arnie. Okay. Yeah. And he was um, also back to school, it, I think. He, that's kind of an amazing director. performance in terms mm-hmm. of how much he changes over yes. the course of that movie. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I think it's um, a, a wonderful study on teens and trying to find something important to you. Yeah. And uh, trying to establish yourself as an adult and... <laughs> it I, has a lot of important messages in I it. I think and taking out the whole main element from the book of Christine being haunted actually did a lot for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been just a massive distraction from all these kinds of themes that you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, having it be um, an entity with its own obsession versus yeah. a haunting or a spirit. I mean, it, it felt like something that, that loved him and and had, had Arnie and Christine just been able to be together if that goddamn girl hadn't shown yep. up. Yep. Ruined everything. It's all her damn fault. <laughs> so, poor. Poor. Wow. Okay. So, Starman. Starman. I have never seen Starman. What? I, yeah, what? No cable as a teenager. Right, okay. I missed everything okay. in, in the 80s. I think you would like Starman. <laughs> I probably would. Um, I mean, you know, saying that it's kind of a science fiction romantic comedy drama object is not, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I have a hard time pitching it, but it, it's, it's my favorite thing I've ever seen Jeff Bridges do. Oh. Let, let's say that to begin with. And he's, yeah. he's a good actor. Yeah. So, um. Mine's all the Fisher King. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty amazing. Um, but it, it is, you know, honestly, a very sweet movie and, and a very clever movie. The, the, the and I o- think given the opportunity, John Carpenter would have done more movies like yeah. that. I, I think he very desperately wanted to branch out and, and do something different. I mean, he spent his entire life wanting to do a Western, which he never did. And you see these comedies and and the thing is is there's ways in which he's so funny oh yeah his writing is so funny that i think given the opportunity you know i don't know it just it seems like a a missed a missed chance it really does uh the one thing i want to mention i found out about it today is that um one of the people that he met with originally before before casting jeff bridges was tom cruise who couldn't do it because he was busy with uh, Ridley Scott's Legend. Yep. And I'm really, really glad that he yeah. was busy with Ridley Scott's Legend because he wouldn't have been able to be as charming and innocent as is. is what Jeff Bridges brings to the character. And, and it's hard to look at Jeff Bridges now and, and imagine Yeah, that, exactly. That it's like the dude was... Yeah, yeah. But, but but he really is. Um, and the, 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 the opening of the movie is kind of heartbreaking. 
Because you, you you know about the, the the probe that we sent out into space with the with like the yeah, the, the Voyager, record album. Voyager. Yeah, Voyager. You know, we sent this record album of, of, of you know all these translated languages from yeah. you know from the people of Earth. We send greetings. Well, his race has found that, and has found and, and has looked at the the you know map to Earth that we sent with <coughs> it, and that's why he came here, and we shoot him down. And the first thing that, 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 that he says to someone when he actually meets a person is, is you know, echoing what he heard on, on the record, we send greetings. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if I want to watch that. <laughs> well, it gets, it gets way happier from there. Well, good. <laughs> um, so then we I, I, I didn't realize for years that it was John, John Carpenter. Carpenter. I loved that movie. I loved John Carpenter movies. At some point in my brain, I realized there was an overlap there. I just went, <laughs> what? <laughs> the guy who made The Thing made... Okay. All right. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so, I am just... I wish I, I wish I could quote myself perfectly from this, but I'm, I'm going off of a memory from a year and a half ago. Um, I hit a point last year where I was just like... <laughs> I was done i had i had i had hit the bottom of the well of of can do and confidence oh yes and you couldn't even oh i could not even i uh, yeah (laughs) and i decided i hit this one day where i was like fuck it fuck it i have to try harder than this i i am going to take the jack burton approach there you go of of I don't care what's gone wrong because fuck it the you know the checks in the mail (laughs) (laughs) like I don't care how I fucked things up yesterday of course I'm gonna succeed because I'm fucking Jack Burton yeah and of course I'm gonna do it and of course I'm gonna be awesome and it's gonna fucking rock because I'm fucking Jack Burton so I literally I had like this big post that I had done of like I am going to live my life is what would Jack Burton do? Yes. <laughs> and and it was literally, like, I immediately started feeling a little bit better about everything. That's fantastic. Because he's a fucking idiot who just screws up nearly yep. everything he touches, but his enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> the studio apparently really did not get that he was the sidekick character. Yes. <laughs> and that he was just... Oh, which reminds me, the the, 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 the character who is actually the, the, the lead uh-huh. character, really. Um, Carpenter originally wanted Jackie Chan. Oh. But I, I don't know, he wasn't a big enough name here yet, or no, something? And, you know, I mean, uh, I think it's Dennis Dunn is the actor's name who ended yeah, up playing. Yeah, yeah, that is. You know, I mean, he wasn't a terribly big name either, but, oh my god, his, his just... It, He's fantastic. Bright-eyed, yeah. like yeah. endearing enthusiasm for everything was just adorable. But you know, this has never been one of my favorite uh, John Carpenter films, and I'd probably like it better if it had had Jackie Chan in it because I have a lot of love for his uh, old stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I loved it, and and there was still a little part of me that I still have a fantasy out there somewhere of doing my own little Gracie Raw cosplay, mm-hmm. but. I think I think the time for that is past. <laughs> so then we I have think, Prince of I, Darkness. I, I think I think I may have. Let me let me double check here. I thought thought I had a note or two on. Big Trouble Little China. Big Trouble Little China. But I think I am wrong. I think I just left that to you to talk about. 
<laughs> this is the thing that Jen loves. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't even remember Prince of Darkness. I honestly don't. I, know I don't I've remember it, it very well at all. What I remember from it is how it made me feel. Really uncomfortable? Yeah, super, super <laughs> uncomfortable. And I really liked it because of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially, you know, that, that dream sequence that I was quoting at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. That has really stayed in my head as a terrifying moment. Uh, one of the things that, that, that really charmed me and cracked me up is apparently that um, Carpenter wrote the script for this under a pseudonym with the, the last name uh, Quatermass. Oh, he loves the Quatermass. Uh-huh. And, and Prince of Darkness is so very much, you know, ancient alien evil presenting itself in this supernatural kind of satanic... It, 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 it's totally... Uh, clearly inspired by those films, and so yeah. that that was uh, that was very entertaining. Um, the one other thing that, that that I that I will point to is is just finding way more effective than it should be. Yeah, is that that vat of just glowing, swirling green liquid <laughs> is just such a, a simple, you know, practical effect that they pulled off on set, and yet, you know, he manages to imbue it with such menace and. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when, when, when it overflows and spills up onto the ceiling, you know, you're just like, this is wrong. This is not, uh, this is not okay. <laughs> uh, I need to watch it again. Uh, I don't know if you would like it any better if you watch it yeah. again. Probably not. I think, you know, those are going to have to be the two that we just trade off on. Is, is <laughs> you can watch Big Trouble in China and, and I'll watch Prince of Darkness and, and, and we get to call that good. Um. So then we come oh, to... Oh, uh, one last thing yes. on Prince of Darkness. Is, is that's another one that came from Deborah Hill. Oh. It's apparently that um, that radio transmission is uh, based on a dream that she had of this dark figure wow. in a church doorway that scared the hell out of her and she couldn't figure out why. And so the story kind of spun out of, well, you know, what, what was so terrifying. Yeah. Okay. Uh... Then we have They Live. We both like that one. <laughs> you know, it just... I was... It, it's, a, it's a different note. I was driving into work today and, and Black Star started to play. Oh, God, yeah. And I had just finally gotten to the point where I didn't think about it every day that we've lost David Bowie. Yeah. And then I started thinking and I'm like, just this last... This last year and a half is crazy. I mean, we've lost Bowie, we've lost Prince, we've lost Lemmy, and then you know it really hit me having lost Roddy Piper last year. And was that only last year? I think so. It feels longer ago than that. Man, I think so. okay. Um, because that was right when I showed showed they live. Sure, of course it was. So yeah, that has to have been yeah. And you know, it's like it, it's so hard because with. You know, with these amazing musicians that we've lost. It's like everybody knew how amazing they were. And and also listening to that podcast today, it, it didn't feel like anybody was as surprised as, as Roddy was. That that he was just so good <laughs> in, in that movie. And and it, it really struck me having, having rewatched it recently, how, how subtle... And how lost the beginning of the movie is 
in the in seeing all of the 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 quippy you know one-liners you yeah. know i mean everybody knows that you know i'm here to kick ass and and chew bubble gum and i'm not a lot of bubble which, gum which was apparently roddy's own contribution to yeah that you know and and the big fight but it almost makes me cry but the where he's talking about about just hoping things are going to be better and he's trying so hard to get a job and and he just says you know I deliver a hard day's work for my money. I just want the chance. It'll come. I believe in America. I follow the rules. Everyone's got their own hard times these days. And he's so genuine as, as he's, you know, as he's talking to Frank. And he's so genuine as he's talking to the woman, you know, doing the interview at the employment office. Yeah. Where he's just like, you know, I did this here. I did this here. I can I can work for you and she's like we don't have anything for you here. Yeah. And and he's like but I'll you know I'll do anything just give me a chance you know I'm just I'm waiting for the opportunity to do a good job and let somebody see that. Because isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah. And it's just heartbreaking. It is it is heartbreaking to see his hope fading away. And to see the cynicism that, when he puts the glasses on, of the realization that it's all a lie. Yeah. And, and losing, like, what a, what a loss it is to lose that optimism you had. Yeah. And, and his hope. Seriously. I mean, that's the biggest loss of the movie, and it's never talked about. Yeah. And... You know, and then it becomes, you know, quippy, fighty action. But but the, the real loss of that movie is his innocence. And, yeah. and that's heartbreaking. And I don't think he's ever given the credit for, for Mata's betrayal. And that, that's a shame. Yeah. He was, he was really, really good in it. I wish I'd, I, that, that he'd done way yeah. more acting than that. Yeah. Um... Much as I love Hell Comes to Frogtown, <laughs> it really was. I've never seen that. Oh, I've got that. <laughs> I've never seen that. Uh, <laughs> um. So, have you ever seen Body Bags, which is the nineteen ninety three anthology film? Okay, here's the thing. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Now ask me if I remember the slightest thing about it. <laughs> I've heard the wraparound I, was interesting. I, I, I explicitly remember, you know, at, at, at Blockbuster many, many years ago, saying, <laughs> oh, I haven't seen this one. I'll pick it up and take it home. And I did that. And then it's all just a blur. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Scream Ray, Scream, Scream Ray? I've heard Scream Factory did a Blu-ray. Scream Ray. That's Scream Ray. <laughs> Beware of the Scream Ray. No! <laughs> We have just scared the hell out of your cat. Oh, just like why? <laughs> why? Why did you fire the screamer? <laughs> so you know, and here, here we get to where things have gotten interesting for John Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> so in the mouth of madness. <laughs> yeah, moving on to in the mouth of madness. So I rewatched that. Uh huh. Um, I hadn't seen it in the longest time. I remembered it being, you know, like one of my very favorite, you know, horror movies, let alone, you know, one of John Carpenter's. And so I was really, sure. really nervous about rewatching it. 
It was fantastic. Well, then there it, we go. See, it, I was kind yeah. of piling that in with, um, you know, the movies that follow. And it, it, yeah, no. But it's for, not Sam Neill. Yeah, no. For me, you know. for me, this is <laughs> this. This was his last great film. Okay. In, in my opinion, I need to give it another um, watch. And while because I don't remember in the Mouth of Madness or Prince yeah. of Darkness at all. Uh, well, well, the the thing I would have to point to is just objectively being his best movie. Yeah. Uh, I I I feel like I can say with confidence, having seen it again now, In the Mouth of Madness is my favorite John oh. Carpenter movie. Okay. Sam Neill's performance in it is just a joy throughout. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anybody so convincingly and entertainingly go completely fucking insane. <laughs> Um, I'm always a huge sucker for metafictional stories with yeah. stories within stories, stories. And, that, and that's really what this is. And, and, and I had forgotten that at the very end of it, when you know Sam Neill's character finds the movie theater with In the Mouth of Madness playing, you know, I remembered that bit. But what I had forgotten is that the poster am... for the film even says a John Carpenter film. Oh my goodness! Yeah. See now you talking like I I keep seeing scenes stirring a little bit of memory. Yeah. 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 I, I think this has some of his best and most frightening imagery in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it was. It was. It was just phenomenal, and I'm. I'm so relieved <laughs> mm-hmm. that I liked it as much as I remembered. Um. It. It's really interesting too because it. It's so clearly you know in terms of you know the cosmic horror plot. Mm-hmm. Um. A. A. H. P. Lovecraft homage. But it's like they took H.P. Lovecraft's writing and gave it to Stephen King because the the fictional writer who's at the center of all this, Sutter Kane, clearly has the cultural place that Stephen King does. Yeah. Um. Although you know, one of his his uh, editors says that oh no, Kane outsells King. Uh. Yeah. It, it, it's super clever. You need to watch it again. I would love to watch it here. Okay. So we should do that at some point. Um, and I think that's all I have to say about it right now. <laughs> so, we hit <laughs> things like... Well, the next thing we hit is Village of the Damned. Which has moments. I had never seen it before. I okay. watched it for this oh, episode. Yeah. I, I, it's, you know, I, it's I wasn't sweet. disappointed. Because <clears throat> it's re- sweet seeing Christopher Reeves. Yeah. And well, yes and no. I mean, knowing that this is his last film yeah. before the accident, it kind of makes it bittersweet at best. Yeah. But I've been putting it off for years because of its reputation as yeah. not being very good. And lo and behold, it wasn't very good. Yeah. But what, what really interested me about it is that I thought the first half of it was great. It, it is. And I'm like, what, what are people complaining about? Until the children show up. Until the children show up. The, 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 the first moment that they trot out a, a kid in an unconvincing white wig, I was like, and I'm out. You've yeah, lost me. Yeah, it really is. But um, and, and I don't know how we could have done it. I don't know how it could have been done. Yeah. Well, for one thing, I think it would have helped. I mean, I know the original film did, did the whole white hair bit, and white hair, glowing eyes bit, and that he wanted to do the same thing that the original film did. But that's not in the novel. Apparently, and I think he would have been way better off just ditching it. Yeah, and that would have helped to begin with. But but even then, the rest of it just gets bogged down in really just B movie science fiction yeah. nonsense, and it's just not real good. Um. Although Kirstie Alley's pretty great in it. Uh, I have a she, soft spot. Oh yeah, for her. I do too. <laughs> and, and, and this this is yet another gives no fucks, has no time for bullshit. John Carpenter character. Yeah. 
Um, which, you know, she literally is a John Carpenter character. She's not from any of the any of the previous source material. Mm-hmm. By the by the time I was done done watching the movie, I was like, okay, thank God it's over. Yeah. I, so, well that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, so now I can say I've seen it and I don't ever have to do that again. The thing that makes me the saddest, uh, just completely, let's just leap through the rest of these. The thing that makes me saddest with Escape from L.A. is... Where do you start? <laughs> is that it is his... Fuck you. Do you, do you want me... You, yeah. you don't want me to do anything original. You don't want me to do anything new. You want me to trot out the same story I've already, already told mm-hmm. you. Here's the same fucking story I already told you. Fuck you. And, and I suppose we should really talk about where that attitude comes from because we didn't talk about it back uh, around the time that it happened. Uh, he, he he wrote the script for uh, for Halloween two, kind of under protest. Yeah. As as a direct sequel to the first one, which is not what he wanted to do with it. He wanted to do a different yeah. Halloween film each time. And Halloween three. He did kind 3, of skip over the Halloween. Yeah. But it's just so fucking depressing. So he, yeah, he did do Halloween two under under basic protest with the idea that he would be able to go a different direction with yeah. three. And he did three. And, and they could. That was... But the thing is, is if they would have sold what it was, yeah. If they would have let people know what was going to happen, yeah. It could have. He could have had his different Halloween film every year. Mm-hmm. And you know what Halloween four was going to be? Hmm. Prince of Darkness. <laughs> that's know. a very different alternate universe we're looking yeah. at here is and he just wanted to happened. do you know every year do a scary movie yeah. for Halloween yeah. and it would go a completely new direction and mm-hmm. he'd be able to you know stretch it out a little you know stretch his craft a little bit and, yeah. and find a new good scary story for us to he might still to, be doing it now you know, know. The, yeah um, it just kills me but, but that's what I, I, I've got the, the quote here from him saying uh, we found that, uh, you know, specifically talking about Halloween 3, uh, we found that the audience didn't want different stories. What they wanted was the same old thing over and over again. The producers got mad because they thought I'd destroyed their franchise. They took it out of my hands and I was done with Halloween. So that's the lesson that he brought with him when he finally got around to doing Escape from L.A. was, you want the same movie? Here's the, the same, same movie. movie yeah. Although I, I found another quote from him that I can't quite believe... Um, that 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 he he even said, and I really want to know how how long this was after yeah. he made Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A. is better than the first movie, ten times better. It's got more to it. It's more mature. It's got a lot more to it. I think some people didn't like it because they felt it was a remake, not a sequel. I suppose it's the old question of whether whether you like uh, Rio Bravo or Eldorado better. They're basically essentially the same movie. Uh, you never know why a movie is going to make it or not. Well, so, fuck it. I, God I, damn I, it! I don't know. I, well, but, then I'm but, gonna have to watch the goddamn thing again. I, I I don't see how he can he can look at it and say that that, that it's better than the original. I don't. I know. mean, for, for one thing, you know, the CGI alone lets it down really horribly. Yeah. It it, it is it is just a really it, cheap it, it, looking. It suffers. Movie. Well, everything in the '90s just wears it like a a giant fucking red A on its chest. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's. You know, it's just ugly, and it, it, it it's unfortunate that it's a growth, growing pain that yeah. we had to go through to get, you know. But the thing is, it's like, even you go into the early 2000s, and, you know, it's CG looks terrible now. You know, it's like, oh, that, that was we, a... just, we just keep improving to such a degree that 
<laughs> you're yeah. like, you see something from a couple of years ago and it looks awful in comparison. That's the other thing I wanted to say about uh, Village of the Damned. I watched it and then afterwards I was like, that was 1995? That's that recent? Because it yeah. felt like it was maybe 89, 90, yeah. 91. No. The, the only thing that gave it away as being more recent than that is that the, the, the special effects of the kids' glowing eyes was actually pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, it was dumb, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it looked fantastic. So, <laughs> I, we watched Vampires. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep because apparently I've just been tired. It's not, <laughs> I don't hate vampires. I think it's one of the things I love about the vampires oh, no. is they're monsters. Yes, absolutely. It was a nice reaction to yeah. the way that things had swung in this interview with the vampire, their yeah, tortured pretty. romantic poets. Yeah, no, they, they want to fucking eat you. Yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, I know that, that Woods was presented as, as this badass I just can't see James Wood as Woods an action figure, and it just—he seems so uncomfortable wearing jeans. <laughs> like he just—he seemed. It just—I don't know. He really wanted to do it. Hey. You and, know? and 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 I I found a great quote from 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 John Carpenter okay. about that about the way that James Woods put it to him when he was okay. talking about wanting All to right. be you know the action hero in this. He's like, just once, I want to be the first guy through the door. All right. Isn't that now a great I, line? Now I feel like a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're right that he's a little un- unconvincing in that kind of in that kind of a part, but yeah, you know. Um, but but as a as a whole, I am charmed by vampires. Um, I don't I don't dislike it. Yeah, I, no, you know, but, it's fun it, and. Mm-hmm. But it's just not. It's not great. Um. <laughs> It's not, but 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 I definitely solidly enjoyed it, and and that was the the last thing in the theaters that I can say that about yeah. with with Carpenter. Because uh, did you see Ghosts of Mars? Next, we take a big jump forward in time and a huge leap backwards in quality to Ghosts of Mars. I've never seen Ghosts of Mars. You know that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and and. Carpenter said in interviews that, that, that after he made this film, he realized he was completely burnt out and decided then that he was going to leave Hollywood for good. And that's why it was, you know, nine years until he eventually made another feature film. Yeah. Um, but Which I've seen... Ghosts of Mars is dumb. It looks cheap. It's just, it's just not good. There's nothing about it that I like. So here we hit uh, the Masters of Horror. Yeah. So, Cigarette Burns is almost one of my favorites, my favorite episodes of the entire series. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and Pro-Life is, is really, really good. It's Pro-Life it, kind of goes off the rails in the second it, half. It does go off the rails, but So, it, it, it's definitely not as solid as Cigarette Burns. It's not. Is the only complaint it's that I'm not. making, really. But it's got Ron Perlman, and that who's, that carries a lot of weight. He's fucking terrifying. He is terrifying. Yeah, and I and I think I'll, I think I'm forgiving a lot of other things in that <laughs> Be, because of his portrayal. Because there's a lot of ways it, it's just not it's not awesome. But Cigarette Burns is almost almost my very favorite. I can't remember ones. I, I remember I really liked The Fair Haired Boy. Uh, my favorite, favorite child. is uh, Incident on and Off a Mountain Road. Yeah. 
That was really good. I don't remember who made it. The um, the, um. the first season is really good, and then, and then, I remember trying to watch some of the second season and just not. Hmm. Uh, Cigarette Burns had a special night because it covered some of the same thematic ground as uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Mm. Because, you know, you've got in it this this movie that's supposed to drive people insane Mm -hmm. and murderous, you know, like Sutter Kane's books did in (laughs) In the Mouth of Madness. So I I thought those tied together really neatly. You know... Oh, I know what... what, I I did have one note here on on, on Ghosts of Mars, something I found out today that that I had no idea about before. Um, it started out as a, as a different movie, and you know what it started out as when I tell you the title that it originally had, which was Escape from Mars. Oh. So that lead character wasn't supposed to be Ice Cube. It was supposed to be Snake Plissken, originally. Ah! Oh, God damn it! Yeah. And I'm, re- I'm really, really torn on that, because, you know, I, I, at some point I think, well, maybe if it had stayed uh, another Snake Plissken movie, it would have been good. On the other hand, I think, well, what if it had been a Snake Plissken movie but it had still been the same kind of quality as Ghost of Mars? <laughs> then that really, really would have, you know, yeah. kind of ruined my memories of the character. And, you know, since, since we're talking about uh, Carpenter films that, that should have happened but didn't, yeah. something else I found out today that I really wish had actually happened is apparently he was originally supposed to be the one to direct Firestarter. Ooh. I like Firestarter pretty well. But like it a lot more as a John. Carpenter I sure would, because that that's a, a kind of story that I can really picture him handling, and it had a a, a a screenplay by by Bill Lancaster who did the thing, and both of them were off the project when that when that mm. you know died at the box office, but I really wish that could have happened. Yeah. Um, I watched The Ward. I still haven't. I. I remember thinking it was pretty decent and were it from anyone other than John Carpenter I probably sure. would have been like eh but I also remember being really really disappointed by the, disappointed by the ending and I don't remember why mm. um so that's that's as much as I remember I, I you know I watched it right after it came out cause I was like John Carpenter I will watch your movie John Carpenter and I was like oh okay yeah. So, mm. you know, I can't remember who it was we were talking about. Oh, I think it might have been when we were discussing Wes Craven that, you know, people delight in shitting on his last couple of movies. And, and, you, and you look at it and you're like, look at this, look at the scope of what he's created. Yeah. You know, and... And how many people can 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 claim the quality that he's hit through so many movies that he's hit? Exactly. Yeah. And while John Carpenter didn't utterly change horror movies the way Wes Craven did, mm, Halloween. He did. He did. He yeah, did. Okay. Yes. But I mean, I mean, the thing is with Wes is I. In, in my opinion, he did it like three times. Yes, he, okay. He rewrote yes. the genre. You know, John Carpenter, yes, he he had an enormous impact. And while there are a handful of his movies that I don't I don't love, 
but as a as a whole, when you look across the the expanse of what he's done, there is a quality yeah. to nearly all the movies that he's made. That yeah, yeah. who can claim that? Mm-hmm. Who can claim that across the the scope of their career? And, and the other thing is, and, and he talks about this, you know, and looking on top of it, his 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 musical. Yeah. So you are yeah, going. Yeah, I was going to gonna, see I was going to get to that. Um, but but one of the things that, that he talks about in the, the, the interview that I saw in the, this documentary is these movies are his. Yes. You know, they, they, practically everything he's put out is John Carpenter's fill in your title here. Yeah. And he, he's been and able he to very personally. Stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you see it and you know it's his. Yeah. So so that's the mark that he's leaving on the world. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, let's talk about his music. Uh, so, a couple of years ago, he came out with an album called Last Theme. Lost yeah, Themes. Lost Themes. And so basically, if this comes through your city, I, I heard uh, a friend's, um, friend saw it in L.A. Uh-huh. pretty recently. And they, they have the music playing while they show pieces from the films and, and, and sure. where that part of the score comes in. And it is basically being described as this amazing theater and music experience. Oh my God, I can't wait. I, I know. I, I think it's the 14th. So I don't remember pretty the much, it, it, the, you know, his, his claim was, if you have the opportunity to see this, if you are a fan of his work in any way, that it, it is an amazing experience and you absolutely should do this. Yeah. And, and if this gives back John Carpenter any of his love, for his creation, I which hope I so. Hope it does. And, and, and I hope it it exposes him to our love. God, I hope so. You know, I hope he, he, he gets to look out at these audiences and see all these people that he's connected with over the years. And fuck what the studios say, fuck yeah. what the critics say. He, it, that he can look out into all those faces and see how fucking happy we are to be there. Yeah. I hope that makes a difference to him. I I just look back on. I was always going to give a John Carpenter movie a chance because I have always enjoyed them. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> they were the movies of my childhood. Mm-hmm. They were the horror of of, you know, my childhood and teen years and that's wonderful. So, so thank you John Carpenter. Yeah. I think we should leave this there. I think that's that's the Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I hope to see some of you at, at the John Carper performance here in Seattle. I am not 100% sure. I think it's June 14th. <laughs> Double check that. You know, Google is your friend. Yeah. Um, uh, my name is Jennifer Lovely. Uh, you can find me at jengaloves.com. Um, on Tumblr as Jennifer Lovely and on Twitter as Jenga Lovely. Uh, I'm Michael Montour. Uh, my website with my horror fiction and my blog can be found at bloodletters.com. Uh, I'm Montour on Twitter and Michael Montour on Tumblr. Uh, and you can also find my fan page on Facebook. Uh, I'll talk to you again. Yeah. Mm-hmm.